Welcome to the Frontline Gastroenterology podcast on the paper Understanding and Managing Psychological Disorders in Patients with Inflammatory Bowel Disease, a Practical Guide, published online in Frontline Gastroenterology in May 2022. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Associate and Social Media Editor of Frontline Gastroenterology and Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool United Kingdom and extend a very warm welcome to a friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Bell Cock, who is a consultant gastroenterologist in the Department of Gastroenterology at the Royal London Hospital, Barts and London, NHS Trust, London, United Kingdom. Dr. Cock is the first author in his excellent paper and guide. Dr. Cock, or Bell, as I'm now going to refer to you, if you don't mind, thank you very much for joining me today. It's nice to speak to you, and thanks for doing this podcast again. Uh, and congratulations on your excellent guide and paper. So to kick things off, firstly, can I ask you to explain the background to your paper and guide and why this is such an important subject area? Yes, thank you, Phil. And thank you also to Frontline Gastroenterology for inviting me to this podcast. It's a pleasure to discuss the, this paper and guide that we've published in more detail. This is an important subject indeed because psychological problems are common in inflammatory bowel disease and in fact they're more common than in the general population and to give you an idea symptoms of anxiety occur in about a third of patients with IBD and symptoms of depression in about a fourth of patients with IBD. And so it's it's an important problem but patients tell us when we do surveys that they want more attention paid uh, to these emotional needs but it's not always easy for clinicians to do this in clinic because as you know we're all very busy and we have time pressures and in addition we have lack of training and maybe confidence in assessing and treating psychological distress but it's important that we do it because treating psychological disorders in patients with IBD will improve their quality of life possibly also their disease and stress is a very important problem especially since COVID so it's important that we do something about this And, well, at the Royal London, we are very lucky. We have in our IBD team uh, both a CBT counsellor and also a psychiatrist. And what we wanted to do is share our knowledge and our experience and make it into a practical guide that can be used by any clinician that sees IBD patients so that we can uh, prevent and manage mood disturbances in these patients. Thank you, Belle. That's a a really great uh, overview. And I completely agree with you that this is a a massive uh, problem that our patients often describe. And just to add, we're, we're very lucky at the Royal Liverpool Hospital that we've got a psychologist in our, in our service as well. The guide that you've written uh, does set out actually a stepwise approach to psychological care in patients with inflammatory bowel disease, which all members of the multidisciplinary team can use. Do you mind just taking a few minutes to talk through this briefly for our listeners, Bell? Yeah, thank you. So, I mean, the most important principle is that we should ask about patient psychological well-being because without asking about it, patients don't often volunteer it by themselves. So we should all make attention or a care of psychological well-being of IBD patients part of our routine care, something that we all, so that is doctors, um, nurses, uh, dietitians, Uh, pharmacist if we have it something that we all assess each time that we see a patient so it can be done by everyone and it can be quite simple for instance you might ask okay you've been diagnosed with Crohn's disease how has this affected your mood or maybe it's good to hear that your symptoms are currently really well controlled but are your energy levels and your mood okay too so asking about someone's mood each time 
really normalizes discussions about uh, mental health. And, um, and what do we do with those answers? Well, whether patients are doing well or not well, it's really good to talk a bit with our patients about education and lifestyle advice. And really all the treatments for psychological well-being, they range from lifestyle advice all through to psychological therapies, so talking therapies and to antidepressants. And the first step is, is very helpful to do and can be done by everyone because we can all explain it's normal to have psychological reactions. Stress and distress are common with all unpredictable and painful uh, long-term conditions. And there's good evidence in patients with IBS and in the general population that if you just do things like smoking cessation, a gentle exercise three to five times a week, sleep hygiene, avoidance of stimulants, then you really make patients better. Uh, and of course, you would do this uh, together with the patients. And if you discuss these things early with our patients, it really helps them to cope with their stress. But also it would facilitate later discussing other uh, treatments like psychological treatment or antidepressants if mood or anxiety do not improve. So that's really the first step. And so if you've asked the patient that they are how their mood is and it's good, you can still point them to this. But also if their mood is not good. If patient's mood is not good, it's really important to do in parallel two things. Firstly, look for treatable reversible causes. So um, for instance, is their IBD active? Are they anemic? Are they on medications like steroids that can adversely affect their mood? And then the, the final step is, it might be good to also do a psychometric questionnaire because it just can provide a useful adjunct to quantifying the severity of the mood. And we favor in that regard, the hospital anxiety and depression scale because it's really quick. It's easy to complete and it does not include somatic symptoms of IBD, which then could reflect actually IBD activity rather than mental state. And then the treatment, further treatment recommendations depend on the score. And again, if the score is really low, just lifestyle advice and interventions are needed. But if patients score medium, then psychological treatment is recommended. And if the score is medium to high, you could go for an antidepressant or you can actually go for an antidepressant in combination with psychological treatment because that works better. And uh, just to finish with two minor points, obviously, if someone's mood is very low, it's important to also ask them about suicidal ideation or ideas. And in the paper, we give detailed action steps on what to do. So don't be afraid to ask. Um, uh, there's very clear steps that you can take if the answer is yes. And finally, we do encourage that uh, IBD clinicians start an antidepressant rather than referring this to the GP or a psychiatrist. And also in the paper, we give a detailed table for the prescribing of antidepressants which then should also trigger a referral to psychiatry. A slightly long answer, but that really is the step guide uh, treatment that we have explained in the paper. Thank you, Bella. I mean, that's very clear. And I, I think that stepwise approach um, seems uh, really methodical and helpful. You've kind of touched this on briefly al already, but the, the guide does go through a number of psychological treatments. Could you talk through the, uh, these in a little bit more detail, I'm not saying it extensively, in a little bit more detail for our listeners, if that's possible? Yes, yeah, so psychological treatments, uh, in these we, uh, we describe uh, what they are, and really what psychological treatments are, are talking therapies. And it's important to 
start by disclosing really that there's actually limited good quality research into the effects of psychological interventions specifically in patients with IBD that have problems with their moods or quality of life and the conclusions from studies are, are quite mixed. Having said that, in, in IBD the best available evidence for psychological therapies on patients' psychological well-being is for cognitive behavioral therapy because this has a strong evidence base in the general population and in IBD has been shown to improve quality of life. And as there are not that many other treatments, I'll briefly explain what CBT is, because um, this really relates to the theory and evidence that your thoughts, patients' thoughts and uh, emotions and behavior, and also their physiology, so their, how their body feels, interact. And there's really good evidence that if you make changes in one of these areas, alterations in the other occur. So with tr you can train the mind um, to overall feel better. Uh, this can be provided from within your team, should you have a psychologist or a psychotherapist available. But many teams we know in England don't have it. And it's important to, you can explain to your patients that everyone in England that is aged 18 or over and is registered with a GP can access this themselves. You, everyone can refer themselves for NHS psychological therapies using IAPT, which stands for Improving Access to Psychological Services. And a GP can do this, but you can also do this yourself. So anyone can Google Talking Therapy NHS. You put in your postcode or the postcode of your GP, and then you find where the your nearest CBT counselors are, and you can refer yourself. So uh, that's the most important treatment that we have available. And then other psychological therapies are mindfulness-based therapies, hypnotherapy, and uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. And they have a lesser evidence base, partly because they are newer. This is mainly the true for the acceptance and commitment therapy, which show, is showing some promising results. And then in the paper, there are explanations, more detailed explanations on what all these therapies are, and also um, links on where patients can find more information about this and possibly how they can refer themselves. Thank you, Bill. I, I mean, that was uh, incredibly useful. I, I didn't actually realise that people could self-refer. So I think that's really a practical, uh, useful guide for patients as well as doctors there. So thank you very much. Could you now describe how your guide, therefore, might impact on the clinical practice in the foreseeable future? Again, you've slightly touched on this already, but I think just to crystallise it for our listeners. Well, the most important thing really is that what we hope is that everyone that sees IBD patients recognizes that uh, psychological care is an integral part of uh, of IBD care and that we should ask um, because if we if we recognize this and ask more about it, we'll, we'll probably lead to more psychological treatments uh, and well-being for our patients and therefore improved uh, quality of life. And not everyone who sees IBD patients feels confident about it and, and how to proceed, uh, especially either when our patient is quite distressed and or when we are very busy. So um, we hope that this will just improve and help people to provide holistic care for our patients. And although the guide is mainly aimed to help clinicians provide routinely psychological care, it may also help teams to increase psychological membership of their MDTs. It's mandated in the IBD, uh, the UK IBD standards that everyone has some access to psychology or psychological services for their IBD patients, but many services do not yet meet this target. 
And if you have a psychiatrist or psychologist or counsellor in your MDT, it would really enable um, uh, both the prompt uh, provision of personalised therapies for your patients, and that's of course really welcomed by patients, and it would also reduce overall costs um, because patients that have, for instance, it reduces uh, attendances to, to A&E uh, departments. So that's really what we hope is that we can uh, overall in, with this paper improve psychological well-being of our patients. Thank you again, Belle. Um, now, final question. Um, and you, you've again, you've touched on this because you've talked about the quality of evidence of psychological studies already. But could you potentially describe how your guide might impact on research priorities in the foreseeable future? Yeah, it would be nice to see more research in this area. Uh, much uh, research is still needed. Um, I think we still need to increase our understanding of the link between the brain and the gut and whether psychological disorders should be regarded, for instance, as an extra-intestinal manifestation of IBD. Uh, for instance, is it mechanistically linked via the gut-brain axis to mucosal inflammation and the microbiome? I mean, our paper did not have time to go in this, but it's a very interesting question. We also know from the trials that have been done about psychological therapies that this does help the quality of life in patients and it can also improve mood. But the therapies are not very good at treating anxiety. So for both, but in particular regarding anxiety, much more research and also treatments are needed. And in particular, those studies quite tricky to set up psychological studies, um, but more studies are needed uh, regarding their efficacy. But also the treatment should be tailored more to patients' individual situation so for instance to their uh, adjustments to their IBD stage um, you know distress of having had IBD and multiple operations for 20 years is different for just being diagnosed and also depends on the phase of your life if you're an adolescent or an adult that for instance has completed their family versus you you're started date starting to date so that is all needed and ultimately, then, what we hope is that with increased understanding of the biology of mental disorders in IBS, uh, that it might open up new approaches to the management uh, of both IBD and its associated um, mood disturbances. So, yeah, so hopefully these will become available so we can continue to improve the holistic care that we provide for our patients. Thank you very much, Belle. That was uh, really helpful and uh, I think it's uh, potentially an exciting area to do research in the future. So uh, thank you, Belle, Dr. Koch, uh, for doing this Frontline Gastroenterology podcast today. Once again, congratulations on your fantastic guide and paper being published in Frontline Gastroenterology and congratulations to your co-authors as well. For our listeners, thank you for listening today. If you'd like to read the paper, the link to the paper is just underneath this podcast. And of course, please do join us in the future again for future Frontline Gastroenterology podcasts. Thank you.